Good morning, guys. I'm so glad that you're here. I'm waiting on my co-host, um, and uh, hopefully she'll make it. She has been a little under the weather, but if she uh, doesn't, we're just going to send her healing thoughts, and we're going to keep our conversation um, going this Monday, and I am so glad to see you guys here. Uh, I'm sending out some invites, and if you are... Um, able to come up and speak of course I would love to hear from you and if you're not I understand that too and I um, love um, that you're just um, here and uh, listening that's important too um, and sharing um, with us um, and our conversations with others so uh, Joseph is here this morning I'm so glad and I understand you are off today or working from home so um, how are you today? Fine, thank you, Ms. D. Yeah, I'm working from uh, from home today, which is which is good. I've been uh, last week. I spent most of the week uh, working at uh, at my office, so it was nice to have a, a day to work from home today. Well, that's good. So, is there anything? Um, I tell you, I have been kind of just continuing to dig into the dark money stories and I, uh, you know, just keep peeling back the layers. And of course the, the information that we're getting about the Supreme court, um, you know, it's just like one big shining gaping example of, you know, yeah. how uh, dark money is working um, at work in our democracy. And um, it's really so disheartening in a way but I mean like we recognize we know so it, it's like now what <laughs> you know yeah and, and the ongoing um you know problem that we have in this country that people don't want to actually admit is the problem I mean I think most uh, normal sane people admit that you know guns are the problem but yeah. because of our political system we have a party who is blocking any uh, type of um, legislations um, and policies that could um, help make it better in any um, small way. It's um, just kind of such a um, part of their political ideology and political stance now that they're just willing to let people die and be killed. Yeah. And um, actually, one of the things that I wanted to talk about um, was, you know, it's related to the, the shooting that happened in Allen, Texas. There's a fact that the, uh, the killer was Latino, but had ties to a neo-Nazi group. And a lot of people, I've seen a lot of, uh, res different responses on the timeline and people at acting all surprised. I'm not surprised at all. Um, and a lot of us, and there's been a lot of agreement among a lot of us who are Latino. We are not surprised at all by this. Um, there is so much white adjacency in among Latinos. Um, now, I'm only going to speak from the perspective of Mexican-Americans because that's my perspective. And again, because Latinos are not a monolith, we are a multi-ethnic, multi-racial group 
Um, but from a Mexican American perspective, there is a huge degree of white adjacency and there's a percentage of males among us that one have bought into the toxic masculinity of the far right, because there's definitely toxic masculinity in our community. And they have bought into this false narrative that like they have believed the lies that the far that the white supremacists have basically poisoned their minds that you know th- that that being brown is somehow inferior to them so they are so uh hungry for acceptance and they want they they want to be accepted by a group that will never fully accept them that they're basically willing to go along with whatever these white supremacists say or do or think and i i saw a tweet last night this is basically you know people like the killer are doing the bidding of the white supremacists they're they're poisoning uh, men, particularly the minds of men of, you know, of different minority groups to buy into the white adjacency and they're doing the bidding of these white supremacists. Right. And it also gives them some cover for it, uh, like, uh, to push back with the, you know, like it's not racism because, Hey, look at my black friend, my Hispanic friend. Uh (laughs) Exactly. That's, that's what it is exactly. And, you know, with, with, and I will say, I think it's probably most prevalent in, in Texas, among Mexican Americans in in Texas, although you know, definitely here in California, I'm sure there are are plenty. I mean, I have met plenty. I mean, there there are some in my extended family. My mom has some cousins that are definitely like that. You know, you can tell right off the bat. I mean, they they are they are definitely brown on the outside, but they, they, they are so white adjacent and it's, um, it's pretty sad because it's like, that's it. That tells me that they don't love themselves. So they, they've bought, they've bought into this, this, this lie that they're less than somebody else because of their skin color. And me, even though I am multi-ethnic, I identify as Latino first. I've probably identified as Latino first uh, since I was, I want to say probably since I was 13, because that was the year of the infamous Prop 187 in California. And that was the first time I really became self-conscious of my skin color. So, you know, I embrace my brownness. I, I, I love it. I love you know, being able to to speak Spanish, you know, Mexican culture is an absolutely beautiful culture. So I embrace it just as much as I embrace the other aspects of my my ethnic background. And I think these people that don't, I don't think they really, you know, they don't love themselves. They're ashamed to be who they are. And it's really sad. It is really, really sad. And this is what happens, you know. So it, it's been it's been very distressing the last couple of days. And, um, you know, uh, it's like, where do it's like, you know, we ask ourselves this every time. It's like, what's it going to take? Um, 
but I, 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 I just don't, I just don't know. I just don't I know. don't, I think we're all there. I mean, we, we know, as I said, that, you know, just, um, some basic, um, real simple legislation could move the needle a little bit. Um, but, um, it has become a political, um, stance. So people are willing to allow people, uh, to be killed and to die for this political stance. And, and there, I think are multiple, um, rationale, you know, different rationales, uh, Come, coming in on that saying, like, we want our guns, like, you know, some of these Second Amendment, um, and some of them are um, extremists who are hoping for, you know, um, unrest and a, a civil war and some, you know, stoking it. So I think, you know, there are um, many things on the, the side that is not trying to bring resolution. And, um Unfortunately, in a lot of the states where it is the worst, these are GOP control states. So it's going to take, um, you know, just extraordinary amounts of effort and attention being given to these things. I was glad to see um, citizens out in the state house there in Texas, um, as they did um, in Tennessee, and it's going to take that repeatedly i don't know i saw um uh what's his name uh he's a formal um army officer who's in charge of katrina and he um tweeted a photo uh, i am assuming of the um slain shooter in in texas and he was basically saying y'all need to see this it was it's very graphic and um, he was like, you know, we need to stop sanitizing what this looks like. And, you know, many people have been saying this for some time because him being a veteran um, talked about how um, in some ways it was when the war was brought to the living rooms of American citizens, the, you know, the horrific um, um, tragedies being... Yeah visualized you know and um i i feel like you know i don't know at this point yeah maybe it'll help maybe but i i don't know so uh anyway i thank you for joining us we do have a few other people who have come up who i'm glad to see today and i think i just oh i just lost greg uh so maybe he'll come back but carmen is here and um uh, but tell me your name again. <laughs> I'm sorry. You, I haven't. Uh, uppity. Are you there? Okay. All right. Uh, so Carmen, and then we're going to have Uppity, and you're going to have to tell me what, what you want to be called, because I know your name, and I just cannot, <laughs> cannot pull it off my tongue today. <laughs> so Carmen, you're up next. Good afternoon, Dee. Hello, dear. I'm surprised. I'm surprised I was able to chime in. I know. I was shocked when you requested. I, I said, well, I don't know. Maybe I this know. is an accident or, you know, well, she'll say, oh, it was a no, mistake. Uh, what happened is, uh, you know, I just started back at the hospital and, you know, the gal that's training me, she's a 
had a meeting or an interview and she's like, oh, you can go take a break. I said, okay. <laughs> so it just, you know, it was coincidental. Oh, how nice. And then I'm hearing, yes, and then I'm hearing Joseph talking about, you know, how some folks are, you know, wanted to chime in on what he was speaking on. Only because, you know, I am Puerto Rican and folks think that it's it's very shocking uh, how these, you know, we have Hispanics that are, you know, pretty much really uh, kind of, you know, think they're white or, or they, you know, pretty much that's how they uh, affiliate themselves. But, uh, you know, I saw this mostly. I didn't notice it when I was born and raised in, in New Jersey or you know, my travels to New York City, I, I more so noticed it in Virginia, noticed it in Florida, um, you know, just the whole uh, identification as, as, you know, uh, white, white identity. And, and then I started getting information about the census, because I didn't know that, you know, when you're going down that checklist in the census, people were identifying as white. And I would have this conversation with my mother and I say, mom, do you know, you know, we're not, you know, we're not even supposed to be selecting, you know, white. We, we should be selecting other, you know what I mean? And, um, you know, of course uh, we didn't know the, you know, how, you know, in the, in the check boxes, it doesn't say, you know, uh, Puerto Rican, this is white, you know, black, you know, we didn't know all of that. So, um, again, um, it's, it's not shocking what happened in Texas because, you know, we have now the social media and, and people are, are joining these, these cultist <laughs> chats and, and, uh, a lot of folks are getting, you know, um, <laughs> pretty much uh, uh, joining these. And I don't know if it's loneliness. I'm not even going to make excuse that it's a mental issue. But, you know, um, uh, they're joining these chats and they're becoming more radicalized, you know. Um, It's sad to see that, you know, nobody wants to do anything about it, you know. it's 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 more so uh, scarier in the red states, you know, because I'm in Florida, and you know, I just hope to God, you know, nothing happens. But you know, it continues happening, and nobody wants to do anything, you know, in Congress, and nobody wants to do, and it's mostly the Republican Party that do not want to legislate or try to put, you know. It's constituents' uh, safety first, you know, versus their power and greed and and getting all this money from the NRA, you know. But this is where we're at, um, you know. uh, Just keep trying to keep hope alive. Uh, It's difficult at times, but we just have to keep pushing along and, you know, and and try to, to stay in the fight of, calling, you know, calling people out and, and, and blasting them about what they're not doing and all the money they're getting from the NRI, you know. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to say hello, and I really want to thank you for allowing me to speak, and, you know, 
Uh, nice to see everybody. It's been a while. Absolutely. And it was so good to hear from you. And like I said, I am glad that you could come and chime in on um, that aspect in the, you know, Hispanic culture, because um, it is true. And I think that maybe um, some people don't know that. And um, I think that we have spoken about this before, because there are many, you know, Latina, uh, Latinos, um, Hispanic um, people in our community. And, you know, they speak to this many times. Tiff um, is, is another one who, you know, right. who often, you know, address. And I wanted, mm -hmm. and I wanted to mention that my mother did say that recently there has an increase of attack uh, black and brown folks in the island of Puerto Rico. So, you know, racism is not just excluded, you know, because, you know, America is supposed to be the beacon of light, right? And everybody looks at America. So um, lately, with all this racism here and all the, you know, killings and shooting, uh, she had mentioned that there is an increase of, you know, killings and shootings against uh, homosexuals, gays, trans, and black and brown folks, because, you know, we do have black and brown folks that are Puerto Rican in the island. Mm -hmm. So this continues to uh, increase, and it's like a virus. Hey, it is. It's I mean, good. It know? is. It's, it's it can, yeah, it's ideology that's being fed and stoked um, for, you know, um, a reason, you know, by um, certain people. And it's certainly, it's not like it's new to this country, but the last administration, um, they dined on it. That was their crown and glory. I mean, his, you know, um, inaugural speech was American carnage. And he had, you know, the self-hating uh, Jewish guy writing all of his hate speech, uh, Stephen Miller. And, you know, this is just kind of in many ways, just a continuation. Uh, like I said, it's not that these things are new to America. He tapped into it. He emboldened a lot of it. And um, so, again, we have to uh, speak to it when we see it, call it out, um, no matter where it's coming from, what community it's coming from, and also um, understand and, and speak to uh, and try to find solutions to the fact that we know that um, some of these uh, communities and young men, um, Hispanic and Black men, are being cultivated and targeted on purpose, you know, by these groups. And they are vulnerable in ways that um, make them susceptible. And um, there are operations that are playing on this. And we have to understand that aspect of it as well. You know, there's another group. It may not be, you know, like... Um, the same kind of hate, but it's, 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 a, I feel like, um, a, adjacent to this. And that's the, you know, the ADOS and the FBAs. It's also another form of, um, um, division within our community, another way of, um, dismantling democracy, because really and truly we all have more in common than we do different, or at the very least, if, um, 
we uh, came together on many of these issues, we could make great change. Um, we could do a lot of things, but if they keep us divided and fighting amongst ourselves uh, over small, um, insignificant, oftentimes things, um, then we're not able to harness that power and they continue to keep you know, taking more and more power so that that, again, is the nature of, you know, white supremacy, you know, because it is about uh, controlling um, even when they are a, a minority of the population. So I am so glad that you're having a good day, um, that your new job is um you know, bringing you some joy and you're getting out there and being able to practice your skills and um, happy nursing week. Um, I meant to see. Thank yes. Uh, I love you guys. I'm going to go and I'm going to change. I'm going to go to listeners. So I'm going back to work. Thank you. All right. Well, thank you for coming and sharing and contributing today. We love you and take care. All right, so up next we have Q. That's it. Aha. And uh, then Allie. <laughs> you remembered. You remember. I must admit, I got a little help, but I was like, my brain froze. I was like, now I know it's so simple, but I don't know why it just froze. Ah, <laughs> uh, well, happy Monday, everyone. Um, you all took all of my talking points. Um, so now just I know co-sign. you got some more. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but I mean, you know, you're absolutely right, and I mean, it's, you know, my mother's side of the family is is Puerto Rican, and yeah, ask any of the, you know, the black Latinos who live, the black Puerto Ricans who live in Louisa in Puerto Rico who have always been treated uh, like second-class citizens on that island. So there are definite issues sort of within cultures and, 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 you know, you were right. Just like fighting within the Latino community, you call a Puerto Rican, a Mexican, and you might get cut. Like, so even those groups of Latinos who look down on other groups, which I find absolutely ridiculous, but that is part of the plan. Like none of this stuff is done without intent. And like you said, that is the goal of, of white supremacy. Um, coronavirus, and, and, and I say it, you know, when, when classes are taught and books are written down the line, we are really going to see the detrimental impact that social media has had on everyone, but particularly our youth. And a lot of these far-right extremist groups exploited the coronavirus to do a lot of recruiting. The isolation uh, uh, that resulted from a lot of these kids not being able to be in school and get that social interaction, a lot of the anxiety and sort of a lot of these kids who feel like they needed a community well, these right-wing groups really took advantage and, of that. And they, and they were doing it, not it before. just to kids, but to grown-ass yes. adults. Uh-huh. Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, which they were doing before, but they really were able to take advantage during COVID. Um, you know, they target a lot of the online gaming, uh, gaming communities to sort of get these culture war- warriors. And with this sort of like, you know, the, 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 the attacks on the LGBTQ community, you know, they're tapping on a lot of, you know, the Andrew Tates of the world 
who, you know, all of these men, you know, were on talking about being an alpha male. This is a very coordinated effort to sort of tap into this idea of masculinity and how we have to, you know, this, you know, the, the, the sort of rise on these attacks. So just the blatant homophobia that you see out there, they are tapping into these kids and adults who feel this way, but it is, but it is working as a recruiting tool. So it was not a surprise to hear that this, you know, individual who shot those people in Texas was radicalized by these neo-Nazi groups. Um, you know, there are Trump supporters in my Puerto Rican side of the family. Now, they did not. I will say I'm glad that they did not vote to reelect him in 2020. But there were uh, a few of them who did vote for him in 2016. More conservative, uh, more pro-life more because they've got money and so yeah i mean where we are right now is just and i've just been saying it it's gonna get worse it is going to get worse i was in the space and you know these people are organized they are not just fat hicks who you don't think are going to not do anything my mother worked with a an ex-neo-nazi and was like, listen, these parents will drop their kids off on a Friday in the middle of the woods, young kids, like eight, nine years old, give them a knife and a rope and say, see you on Sunday when I come back and get you. So it is about, you know, being able to survive out there. They've got compounds that are stocked with guns and ammo and non-perishables that could last them up to two years. Like, there's a lot of these people who want the race war to come and are expecting it to come. So, you know, but the, the, the person in that space was like, oh, I don't really think that they're a threat. Well, don't think that, okay? These groups are, and talking to someone who actually monitors these right-wing chat rooms, it is a major problem. There is not enough emphasis on the issue of domestic terrorism um, that is going on. The, we're not going to get anywhere with the guns. There is not the energy. The Republicans are not going to vote for it. So we are going to be in this ongoing cycle of gun violence and mass shootings and then the, 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 the divides that happen afterward everyone looking for their narrative and talking point where it was like, oh, this is a white guy, but, but, but they, he used uh, he, him pronouns. So they wanted to latch on that. Oh, you know, he was a Democrat. So, you know, you know, not avoiding the issue, which is, which is guns. Now as a mental health clinician, like, okay, I'm not going to, I'm not upset if you want to invest more in mental health services because that's definitely needed. We need a lot more resources when it comes to but mental too, health. You know, the crazy thing about it is, is that they say that, but at the same time, like when they're trying to put together a budget, they are slashing funding to veterans care. And, um, you know, there is a lot of mental health um, um, initiatives that have been um, 
brought into effect under the Biden administration in particularly because that was another epidemic. We had a huge uh, suicide rate amongst the veterans. And we know that mm-hmm. amongst many of these radicalized individuals, many of them are former military uh, or law enforcement people. And so it's like they are talking out of both sides of their mouth. And that's where we have to keep calling them out. Because afterwards, when they're making the nice condolence speeches with the thoughts and prayers, and they talk about mental health because they don't want to talk about the guns. But then when it comes time to talk about health care and benefits, you know, that's a no-go. They're not voting for that. So, you know, we have to really call that out as well and and show the hypocrisy. The fact of the matter is they do not want to find a solution, you know, because the solutions are there. They don't want a solution. It's almost to me like this um, budget and the deficit thing. They benefit from it not being solved. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And so I'll just end with this is such a like a hundred headed monster. There are so many angles that you have to come at. I mean, the attack on voting rights, it's like that you already tipped your hand, Texas, with this stuff in Harris County, where if there are precincts that run out of paper ballots, you're going to uh, you call, you know, you're, you're going to be able to call for a new election. Oh, believe me, they're going to make sure that there are some precincts that run out of paper ballots. Like you've already tipped your hand in terms of what you're going to yeah, do. Yeah, they're just setting so up when the you scenarios hear, that they will be able to uh, discount certain votes. <laughs> right. But they're going to make sure that certain precincts run out of paper so that they will be able to do this. So, like, we are in such a battle right now, and because of, again, you know, the importance of the courts, when the Voting Rights Act was gutted by the Supreme Court, this allowed states to be able to do all these things without having to get approval for it. So, yeah, we're in in, in such a battle, and there are so many layers and things that we have to address that it's, it's, I mean, I'm not going to say that it's impossible, but it honestly feels that way. You're talking culture wars. You're talking, you know, states with Republican supermajorities because of gerrymandering. You're talking social media. You're talking all of these divisions. We don't want to address the real issue, which is which is guns. I, constant divisions. Uh, you know, g- groups fighting amongst each other, which is what I mean. Take your pick, and uh, you know. What what can we do? Try to dispel misinformation, register people to vote, give them accurate information. I, I'm hoping that Gen Z, however, when you have these parents uh, who are trying to say we want to take empathy out of schools, you're also going to have a lot of Gen Z assholes. Like they say that the youth will save us, but all this stuff with the attacks on school and I don't want my little child to feel bad, you're also going to have a whole group within that generation, within those young kids who are going to grow up to be assholes, who are going to be following lockstep with the ideology that their parents have. So this is going to be, I don't know when we're going to get to the other side because we definitely will, but it's going to be a minute. 
before we get there. And we are going to have to continue to deal with this violence that just seems to be everywhere. Like kids are going in school, Mason teachers because the cell phone, like what is going on? It is just every day. It's something new and crazy. And I, I just, yeah, I, I, I don't know where we're going to go, but I, I didn't think that it was going to get this bad. It's really bad. It is dark. It is depressing. And I don't know what the solution is. Well, I don't know that there is any one, but you know, the fact of um, us awareness, I say is always a good place to start. Um, and I think in part because they have been doing this for so long and they're doing it in so many ways and in different ways, just uh, destroying our democracy. It keeps us a little off kilter um, and and confused and chaotic. And some of us are going to have to work on in different battlefields. But, you know, ultimately the same goal of, you know, saving and perfecting our democracy. And, you know, some people might be fighting, you know, on the um, voter um you know, registration and suppression issues and someone else may be supporting um, elections and working on campaigns. And we're just going to all have to pick some things. And sometimes, you know, like if we're able to handle multiple things to do those, but mostly, and this is real important and it seems like maybe it's not at times, but it's keeping ourselves and one another informed because um, the, and amongst the other things that they're doing, they're working very hard to make it difficult for citizens to be informed. And that is such an important part of a healthy, thriving democracy. Like I, I rewatched a, um, a movie and um, well, I caught the tail end of it uh, again, but it was the post and um, just before, you know, Watergate when them publishing the, um, what was it? Uh, the Panama Papers and they uh, it went all the way to the Supreme Court. And um, they won, of course, it was a 6-3 decision. And um, in that um, opinion, uh, Justice Black wrote that the founding fathers gave the free press the protection it must have to fulfill its essential role in our democracy. The press is to serve the governed, not the governors. So, you know, it just made me um, think about how many um, things are at play here and in many different ways. But I see Mark is in here. I hope he's able to come up and join us today. But I remember that many of the um, rights and things that we won uh, during the civil um, rights movement of the 60s was through um, legal channels, through the law. Yes, we had to uh, bring attention through protests and those types of things as well. 
but uh, Thurgood Marshall and, you know, a team of like-minded lawyers were busy working on um, the legal aspect of it because we are a country of laws. But, you know, they have, you know, stacked the court and um, usurped or just tried to ignore laws. But even then, some of those laws did not exist. But there were men, there were, and women and people who um, just kept working and we're just, you know, like I said, we're just going to have to keep working. I know that, that, you know, it sounds so trite and maybe not even helpful at this time, but we, we can't give up. I mean, we have, we have no choice. <laughs> so thank you so very much for coming and, and uh, joining in the conversation today. I'm so glad to have you here. And I've got Allie here, too, who um, I'm looking forward to uh, hearing from and E9. So thank you guys so very much. Thanks. And I miss your old name because I used to like to call you Kechinga. <laughs> I know. My I know. Friend. It's like I, I, remember, I was going through my head with those names and I was like, oh, what is it? What is it? <laughs> Other people call him Q, but a few of us know what Kechinga means. <laughs> so anyway, um, but thanks, Dee. It's really nice to see you and um, to see everybody. And if I could just ask your um, permission to touch on a couple of things, and I'll make it quick. But there are a number of us who are in the room right now who are mental health professionals and health professionals. And I would just like to point out that it's very important for us not to tip over, over into helplessness or fatalism or nihilism. One thing to think about when you deal with terrorism or you deal with suicides or you deal with mass shootings is there's what they call a cluster effect. Think about when you guys have seen this probably in high schools. If one kid commits suicide, you have a rash of suicides around them. Often there could be four or five or other kids that will commit suicide in the same school. They call them cluster suicides. And it's because once one person pushes over the edge, those who are already fragile may also, you know, push over the edge and go ahead and make an attempt. So this to me reminds me of a cluster of psychological events that are happening where we have people who shooters who are getting stimulated by the cluster of all these shootings happening around. It also happens in terrorist attacks over here in Europe. And when you look in the Middle East, they come in bunches, they come in clusters. It's like one person breaks the ice and the others that were around and waiting are in, are like stimulated to go ahead and do what they were going to do. And they, they come in clusters and then they calm down. But the, the thing to keep in mind about guns in the United States, and it's interesting because every time I try and talk on this, I get rugged out of these spaces. <laughs> the last time I put a bunch of statistics up about it. But let's just talk about guns in the United States. And I come from a gun family. I'm a great shot, was raised with hunters from the state of Arizona, come from the southwest of the United States, have lived much of my life around the world, but I am from a gun family. Only 70% of Americans in the United States have guns. Of those, of the 30%, I'm, I'm sorry, only 70, 70, only 30% of people in the United States have guns. The 70% do not. Of the 30% that have guns, 80% of them believe in gun regulation. And of that 20% that's left, there is only, only 
15% who have more than 10 guns. Okay, so what we see there is 10% of the population are the craziest ones. And that 10% is a really interesting thing if you're a psychologist, because we see that in a lot of different things. Did you guys know that, for example, in Las Vegas, they make 90% of their money off of 10% of the people that go to Las Vegas? Because it's 10% of the population that's out of control. The others go for other reasons, but they don't get out of control. So just keep that in mind with guns. The people who are fragile, the people who are likely to snap, they snap more when other things are going on around them. And there is a, and you guys know that I'm really into talking about the patriarchy, but there's absolutely much more pressure on men in our society to prove themselves in different ways. It's totally different for men than it is for women. And the idea that most of the shooters are men, there's a reason for that. Why are most aggressions, you know, sexual assault is done by men on each other in prisons. But it's, you know, men have certain, certain, and others of you, please speak about it. I know many of you work in this, it's Khalil's area of specialty and all. It, you know, this, this is, there are special, especially difficult issues that are forced onto men. And this idea of power and how to be a man in this society, no matter what color you are, is huge. That's part of the patriarchy. And women reinforce that with their children. White women reinforce that with their children, but all women reinforce that with their children. I also come from a multi-ethnic family. Okay? The, the thing is that it's, it's um, and being part of that, those communities, you see how people, the men are under a special pressure. So anyway, I just want to say, though, that one thing to keep in mind is that it, they come in clusters. They do tend to resolve themselves. But don't fall into this thing about saying, oh, once they didn't do anything after Sandy Hook, we're never going to do anything. No, that's not true. The more that it happens, the more people will be shocked by it. And that's actually good. And yes, it is true that after the Vietnam War, they stopped showing battle casualties on TV. That was a decision that was made. In fact, the last battle casualty that was shown on TV, as far as I'm aware of, was they showed the Beirut, you know, the base in Beirut where there were American casualties being pulled out. But they did after they started the first Iraq war, they stopped showing American bombings after they showed there was one bridge where they bombed a bridge and there was one guy who was the in a truck who got across the bridge. And one of the generals made a joke saying, yeah, that was the luckiest guy in Iraq because he would have died. He was just somebody in a truck, you know, like a, a, a vegetable truck or something. They don't show us the casualties on purpose so that we'll support the military. And I understand that. But as far as what gun culture is and how it became uh, a, a rallying cry and an open, uh, you know, way to express the racism and the, all of the shit of this country, under, under the Trump administration when it became something that the, the media began to play both sides with and all of that, that is a fallback because we stopped showing casualties on TV. Do you and I are the same age. We know what it's like to get up every day and see the news at six o'clock and you would see casualties from Vietnam. And to know you Khalil have uh, relatives, family members, uh, members, there. neighbors right. who are there. Right. Yes, right. It, it's quite a right. different thing. Right. So we need to maybe we do need to show these these photos again, because as with Emmett Till, 
they make yeah the it was general Henri. i'm those... sorry Allie. that's who i was trying to think of general Henri is the one who um, um yeah. tweeted that yep. picture and it's quite mm -hmm. graphic mm -hmm. and he's right yeah and he chose to show the shooter as opposed to the victims which is interesting but you get to see what that type of bullet does to a person's body a human body um but the thing to remember is that re i know that there's this you know this we, we seem to forget that Biden and Harris won. You know, we seem to forget. And, and I do understand that you guys, everybody's just bombarded with the news cycle. But somebody like Carrie Lake in Arizona, Gun Central USA, how do I know that? Because that's where my family is from. They, they repudiated her. Arizona is, turn, is at least purple and turning blue. Colorado has turned blue. Bobert lost only one by 500 points. I mean, I look at Michigan, is... where Soul Sister is from. At one mm -hmm. point mm -hmm. in our recent mm -hmm. past, it was GOP mm -hmm. controlled. Uh, you know, so right. it's, it's mm -hmm. red mm -hmm. until it's not. <laughs> right, right. And we need to not kind of, I know it's very hard not to do, but please remember this idea of clusters. Things come in clusters. Terrorism, suicides, shootings, even in neighborhoods and families. If somebody gets shot in a family, you have other family members that may shoot each other. They come in clusters psychologically, and then they tend to resolve themselves. But in the meantime, as I've said a couple times to you guys, when crisis is happening, people are more flexible around change. People become more fluid. They're more influenceable. So all of those people that are out there now who are trying to ignore this and were going to their Pilates classes or going to Starbucks and they were pretending like they could ignore what was going on, they get more worried. They start paying more attention. And that's when you see people changing parties, for example, or saying they will no longer vote Republican, that this is not Republicans that they remember or whatever. But they become they do become more flexible. It is an opportunity to change minds. But if we sit back and say, I don't know what's going to make it happen and nothing's going to make a change. No, this is a time to say we must change. Sandy Hook was the beginning. Columbine was actually the beginning. All kinds of stuff, you know, and I'm from Colorado. Columbine was 100, you know, was I helped with Columbine, to tell you the truth. You know, here's the thing. We have been going through this for decades now, and we need to stay clear that we must continue to go forward. Nihilism will help them. Yeah. Okay. And it is only it is only 10 percent of the real crazies who have more than 10 guns each. Now, I know it feels like it's more because they get all the publicity and, and they it's show those just, trucks and driving. It's the same with the um, extremist um, just ideology who isn't who are not connected with the guns. They really are right. a minority in this country. Mm -hmm. They are just mm -hmm. loud and the press, unfortunately, mm -hmm. gives them a lot mm -hmm. of attention. But it, mm -hmm. in actual numbers, they are a very small minority. Right. And as far as, you know, the Latino community, again, as we've said many times, it is not a monolith. Texas is very mixed, actually. You cannot say that Mexican-Americans in Texas are all white adjacent. I'm sorry. I've spent part of my family's from Texas, you know, and, and, you know, it just is not like that. It depends on what the background of the person is. If you come, you know, it, it depends on... Where there are very few cultures, actually, 
who are that monolithic. I mean, when you think of it. Right, right. And there, I think a thing to know about Latin America and Latin America, all of the Americas, all of the Americas, um, is that there, but Latin America, there was never a one drop rule. There was never a one drop idea. Most, all of Latin Americans know that they're mixed. You know, that there is a mixed level of bloodline there. Just like all Americans, there's right. North Americans or U.S. Americans, if we want to yeah. call them that. But there was, there's a different orientation there. That one drop thing is a, is a very specific thing to the United States. It is. But it's not the same in Latin America. And so there's, it's, a, it's a lot more related to economic you know, affiliation, who wants to make money and what they think they come from. And even here in Europe, for example... They have, you know, this white supremacy shit, actually, the French even say that Europe stops at the Pyrenees to differentiate themselves from the Spanish. Why? Because the Spain was ruled and the Iberian Peninsula was ruled for 800 years by the Moors, as they called them, Islamic culture. But also the south of France was also ruled by the whole Mediterranean uh, well, area. Well, thank was ruled you, Ali, so much for all of that. <laughs> you know? And I appreciate it. And don't go anywhere, but I do have a couple of hands up. And I just lost Mark. Um, I'm trying to get him. Um, so if he comes back up, go ahead, E9. I'm trying to get Mark back up so he can give us um, um, a legal update on some of the things that are going on. So um, if he comes back up, I am going to uh, move him ahead of the line. So just know that, guys. But uh, thanks so much, Allie. E9, go ahead and uh, let me see if I can DM Mark and see. He may have gotten a phone call or something. Yay, I beat Mark. Um so hello, Misty. Thank you for thank you for hosting the space. I'm so glad to be here. The things I wanted to touch on, um, uh, inspired by Joseph Share and and by Q Share, um, and I want to thank both of them for um, for you know just bringing up uh, the type of analysis that they did, and um, so. Um, uh, unfortunately for me, I, um, I, I'm non-Latino, and I come from the Northeast of um, the United States. So, uh, and and so the Spanish-speaking culture and things like that were a long time coming for me to understand the breadth of it. And if I knew that in my later years, I, I would actually be immersed in a Spanish-speaking environment. Uh, that's where I, I went ahead in terms of language. So I'm down here um, in um, Southern California, and um, uh, I and my work puts me, um, I, and I'm a produce clerk, one of the only non-Latino, um, at this point, the only non-Latino person in my in my department, and. Um, and and everybody else uh, identifies as as Mexican, and um, so when Joseph talks about the details, it, it's so important for me to hear because I I do you know I know when I came into my department we had uh, a a young guy and, and he was all into um, um, black music uh, with that used the the N word so that's what was blaring on our radio. But there's another guy in his 30s who's who likes the uh, 
the men's right radio program um, that's very misogynist. And he also uses the hard word and, um, and he's a homophobe. And um, another guy who's, who's a Trumper, who's in his 50s, who, who also romanticizes the cartels. And um, um, it's just, um, and, and I'm thinking that um, he probably is attracted initially um, because of the guns rights issues. And I think, you know, so we have misogyny, we have guns rights, we have homophobia. And, um, and, um, and, and then there's, and then there's, um, my, uh, uh, colleagues who, who, uh, are evangelical, uh, Christian, who, um, so that's, that's my workplace. And I feel like, um, what I, and there's so there's tight gender prescriptions. Um, I feel, and and then and then and our our place is managed by non Latinos, and the management is abusive. So, and I think that the stuff just percolates, and that in California history, uh, uh, with you know with people who are who are either now immigrants but back in the day this was Mexico and and that and that kind of um you know that kind of fight too so so all kinds of karma is percolating as as I go into the workplace and and I just keep you know I just keep trying to see where my where my way can be um you know to fit oh and there's this a uh, high school kid and um you know so this is the other aspect of it. Um, uh, he he's going he's going to be studying uh, Spanish literature, and he's from the valley here. Um, and um, and so we we connect, and I've asked him to give me a bibliography of um, of some of his favorites, and I'm hoping that I'm hoping that I can get something more insight from that because because um, there are you know there are different generations and and all kinds of people coming of age here and um and i think the um the sense of positivity that i wanted to give uh kind of similar um that that we have in a tangential way here in the valley is our congressperson who right now is the chair of the hispanic caucus and he is such a hand hands-on guy and um he he comes from a farm working family, and uh, he went around in his community and asked people to support his education. He he had Ivy, oh my gosh, amazing Ivy League education. Brought it back to the valley as an MD, and 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 uh, is always always also working with the families of the valley. And so when I talking to the high school kid who had a an academic disappointment. Uh, last month and I said, hey, you know, be sure to be connected with, you know, Congressperson Ruiz because I am, I am. I said, I said, because he wants you to succeed. And um and so that just sort of brings me of um I appreciate Q's analysis a, a lot because 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 he's on point 
And also, in addition, though, to, to the chats are the radio stations that are here, um, at least very, very conservative Spanish speaking radio stations and um, which are hard, hard, hard to I mean, they're blaring in, in, in my, you know, in my actual workspace. Um, so, so it's hard. It's hard to stay uplifted. But I, I think of my congressperson um, and 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 for me, that's why I'm a proud Democrat um, is I have to I keep supporting the people who are bringing my core values and I'm not and I'm not fucking around. It's the Democratic Party and and um, I do everything I can, you know, to support you know, the upcoming thing, because that that's where the hope is um, to, to land my plane, so to speak. Um, um, I'm hoping to find a way. One thing, one conversation, I think I, you know, I, ha I have, um, oh, I'm the oldest person in my department. So there, there's sort of a modicum of respect for me. And, and I kind of, I kind of, you know, demanded on some level but my boss is 29 and so he gets he has to get a lot of deference from me oh and he also comes from um uh a mix uh a, a lot of mexican uh kids like this german metal rock music so this headbanging german metal rock music is also blaring in my in my workplace and i had a roommate uh, who's also from baja california uh, some years ago, and he was in the metal band, and he that was also his kind of thing. So I'm trying to uh, figure out what is the message of the German metal rock bands, and and why are why are the Mexican youth so um, um, in, enthralled by that? Not so. I think they're sort of aging out of it. Um, uh, but but um, thirty something, you know, late twenties seem to be interested in that. So where am I landing my plane? I'm hoping, you know, I, I have a relationship with all my colleagues, uh, kind of, and I've only been there for a year, uh, but they, but they, I think they get a sense of, um, you know, they're, they're, we have collaborations and 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 some some empathy, and also like who the fuck is this dyke in our prep room kind of person. Because I, I I keep a lot of my thoughts close to the vest, but I want to I want to talk a little bit about guns with my colleagues. I think we're just at the point where where we can do that with our relationship. Oh, and I also you know I was in I was in Colorado when Columbine happened. I was working with freshmen at the University of Colorado, and my niece was in the same high school system that Columbine is. And now her two boys are just about to enter high school and their high school will be Columbine. I'm not so sure how much of that is in the past. And and there's been several mass shootings since Columbine. And as Joseph taught me last month, the beginning was in 1985 in I think San Diego and a McDonald's. And the difference now is, is that the efficiency uh, has happened but if you ever if you ever look at that mcdonald's incident it is it is horrific so so we have a long long ways to go but like like ali i 
you know, I think her purpose is, is um, let's, let's keep being as constructive as possible. That's, that's my, that's my only choice. Exactly. We have to keep uh, working at it. Um, And sometimes it doesn't feel like we're having much success or getting, you know, um, too far ahead. Uh, But we have to uh, keep trying. Giving up is not an option. And I have um, a friend here who hasn't been here in a while. Josh, I'm so glad to see you here. And um, I did put up in the Jumbotron several things that I have um, tweeted and tried to amplify on my timeline, but useful um, information. I think uh, um, several things from Mark Elias about uh, different Uh, cases that are pending. I was hoping Mark that would be here and able to talk to us um, about them, but uh, the new laws in North Carolina um, puts um, that um, Moore versus Harper case uh, back at the Supreme Court and how they'll handle it. And there's another one that I wasn't familiar with. It's Allen versus something. And I wanted Mark to to speak to that, but also, of course, Mark Elias is um, always telling us about the laws and the things that are being done across the country. And he was, um, he wrote about Minnesota passing a, I think it's protect the people act or something like that. But he talked about this some months before where we do have those uh, strong democratic um, state houses to shore up um, the voting uh, rights and uh, laws as much as possible because Republicans are doing what they can at the local level and any time that they are in um, a position to uh, mandate something federally, they're certainly going to try to do that. So he's trying to encourage, and it's nice to see that Minnesota has already done that, but he has been trying to encourage um you know, these blue states to do all that they can, like not just rest um, on the laurels of being largely blue at this point, because we talked about it earlier, you know, um, that can change. And, um, and over time, these states, um, the controlling party has changed. That is in part what a democracy is kind of meant to do. It should be representative of the people, but some of these changes that are coming about now are not necessarily representative of the population, but of the gerrymandering that has been done um, by the other party. So, um, but anyway, I'm going to give Josh an opportunity to say, um, uh, to um, say hello and uh, tell us what's on his mind today and invite anyone else who is here to come up. Um, as I say, my, um, co-host I think has been under the weather and um, so I am taking it this is um, not a good moment for her so send her some healing thoughts and um, hopefully she will uh, recover quickly I um, know that it is you know Monday beginning of the week the middle of the weekday um, for um, a lot of people so I understand if you're not able to speak but if you are please come on up Um, I'm going to start to wrap us up um, in the next 30 minutes or so if we don't have any new speakers and um, certainly give the the folks who are here an opportunity to, you know, chime in again. So, Josh, how are you? (laughs) 
I'm good. How are you? I'm good. Good to see you. <laughs> it's good to hear from you. I miss you so much. Um, well, likewise, my dear. I hope things have been going well for you and that you have been making all those in your sphere laugh and smile, because I always do when you come. Yeah, and I just want to know like, put a post in the job one about you heard of Pornhub, right? Of what? Porn, Pornhub. Yes, yes. Mm-hmm. Well, Pornhub is suing Utah for the ridiculous Ace Foundation bill. And so they block Utah citizens from using Pornhub. And I think what the Utah legislature is doing is destroying our freedom of speech. If we don't like looking at that stuff, don't look at it. If people in Utah want to look at it, let us watch. Let us look at it. Uh, it's their prerogative, exactly. That's very interesting, Josh. You always bring some great stories to us, so thank you uh, for for bringing. Yeah, uh, I am very, very pissed off with these organization. They think that oh, the first person that I see was born, so let's make everyone in Utah not was born. I mean, they are it, they are this. Yeah. They're not they're, they're, they're freedom. Exactly. And I was reading, I can't even remember now because it's kind of like information overload sometimes, but um apparently some investigative journalists um were digging behind some of the book bans and um the rationale oh, that yeah. they were using. Now this is in Florida, but you know they're doing it all over because they just kind of rinse and, and uh huh rinse and repeat. But a lot of it, it they're using some um kind of law to say that it's pornographic and some of the stuff uh, the books that they are banning and the things that they are deeming pornographic is so like ridiculous and I think about how uh -huh. like in the 1970s yeah uh, exactly that's what <laughs> uh, many people are saying but um, it's Sleeping Beauty is one of them because apparently um, somebody was in the lake bathing so they viewed that as pornographic and uh, it's just, it's extreme. Um, it's, it's nuts. Um, and it's a, it's a type of Christo, Christo fascist, um, ideology. Uh -huh. Yeah. It really pisses me off. That's why I'm a Democrat, because I believe people have the right to do what they want to do in the private at their home. Absolutely. I totally agree with you, Josh. Um, and again, thank you for, you know, bringing that to our um, attention. And that's a story that um, we can follow and, and stay abreast and, and see how that that pans out. And up, yeah. um, so thank you for joining us today. Up next, we've got Mel, uh, who is here. Bye.
Bye. Yeah, yeah. All right. You too, Josh. Take care. Lots of love. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks, Steve, for allowing me to speak. Um, my name is Mal Torres. I'm a, a county chair, Democratic, in Texas. And I added a tweet in the Jumbotron. If you're from Texas, there is a bill that I'm going to ask you guys to call all the legislators that are in that thread and ask them to add House Bill 2744, raise the age to calendars so we can get this bill heard on the floor. Today's the last day. What this bill does is raise the age to 21 for people being allowed to buy um, long guns. And it took us all this time um, the Texas League to get this bill through committee and it was just voted out because it was being held up by the Republicans. My own state representative, Ryan Gian, was not allowing this bill to go out of committee. So we have to get this bill on the calendars today or else we're, we're going to be stuck for the next two years with no um no gun safety laws in Texas. So I wanted to thank you, Dee, for allowing me to speak. Now I've got about 50 uh, Facebook groups to go add this information to and get more people to call and request that this bill, House Bill 2744, be added to calendars today. So um, thank y'all and bless well, you all. I've got to go. I got a lot well, of I understand. To do. And thank you so much. And we will help to amplify this and um, make some calls, make some noise. Um, and that's what it takes. Uh, all of us everywhere doing a little bit um, wherever we can. So thank you again. Um, all right. I'm demanding Liz and she's mom's okay. demand. So awesome. Please. And they, I have put quite a few things up there from them, from uh, Shannon, um, who um, is also a part of that group. And they have um, been working very hard to bring um, attention and redress in whatever way they can, wherever they can. So uh, we certainly want to keep amplifying their work. And thank you for bringing this to our attention. And thank you for just, you know, taking a few moments out to uh, come and um, share with us today and for the work that you do, um, you know, in that um, area there because it matters uh, and it's important that um, we do a lot of our work at that local level. So uh, we want to give you uh, a lot of thanks and gratitude for being one of those on the ground, local workers, you know, defending our democracy. <laughs> um, so again, thanks so much, Mel. And um, up next, we've got um, Khalil, who has come up to join us. I'm so happy you came and joined us today. How are you? Hi, Dee, and hello, family. It's, it's good to be here, guys, with you. I'm actually outside. Um, had some issues with my windshield, so I had to pull some time off out of doing the things I normally am doing at this time to get my windshield replaced, but I didn't know it was going to take uh, <laughs> half, half the afternoon um, to do so. They don't tell you that part. They just, right. You know, you know they want to make sure I get in here. They get my insurance money. Um, so, 
Yeah, I just, you know, it's just been, a, always, as always, an enlightening discussion. Uh, you always have a great um, gallery of people with, with great insights and great information. Um, and I uh, have been trying to be a little bit more, you know, circumspect in terms of just listening more. I think it's just, this is the time to do both, you know, listen and do um, right now because uh, there's so much going on. It's hard to keep abreast of all the things that are going on uh, because there's so much, you know, like every day. It's yeah, like it, one it, thing. It's yeah, so it, much. it can be um, brain numbing at times. It's just, it is. <laughs> it is. You know, it really is. And I, you know, the, the violence alone, uh, you know, there's so many other things to talk about, but the violence alone, you know, which I just think we've been cultivating for, you know, for decades, you know, this violence. And, and depending on the perspective you're taking, we've been cultivating violence for it. I mean, really, since the founding of this country, I mean, people can go back to, you know, McDonald's Mm -hmm. shootings or whatever. But I mean, you know, for me, it's the founding. I mean, it's it's always been uh, very much a part of this country's culture. Uh, This um, ability, though, to um, to target, um, you know, just um, civilians in the way that they do is because of automatic uh, weapons. But, you know, uh, in the 1960s, they targeted churches and little children yeah. died. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're seeing similar things. And I do appreciate the point that, uh, that, that uh, was made earlier uh, uh, by Ali about you know, the whole cluster effect. You know, she made me think about that. I hadn't, you know, I, I don't normally think of cluster effects outside of suicide um, prevention, but um, a study of suicide. But um, but it clearly is uh, a cluster effect right going going on now um, around just the you know the violence and our, our our predisposition to violence as well. You know that we. It's, you know, we, as you said, we, we, it's always been a part of our culture, um, uh, but now it's become, uh, it's unrestrained. You know, we have the top, we have the, we have the um, tools now to, to do things that our forebears could not have imagined. Uh, you know, you can take one gun and, and, and uh, you know, one handgun and, and, and kill, you know, Tens of people, not to mention, you know, a long gun or or or, or an AK or semi-automatic, and uh, and then we have the kind of, you know, there really are no words to describe the the violence, or let's say it's becoming more and more of a challenge to describe the the violence that we are seeing on a regular basis, uh, and. The impact it has on our psyche, on our emotional, uh, as well as our, you know, even our physical lives. I mean, now, you know, who's who's running out to a mall this morning, you know, today, uh, after after what you saw um, yesterday, and then the the whole thing in the pictures. Uh, I made a decision yesterday that I normally wouldn't make, and I I in one of my 
uh, text in one of my tweets. I, I, you know, forwarded a a, a a picture that had, you know, it didn't have the, the bodies were the injuries were blanked out. I mean, they were unfocused, but you know, just the pictures of the, the damage that the guy in the car had done. Yeah, that and, was uh, horrific. Yeah, it really was. And, and, uh, I don't normally see those pictures. I normally are really good, pretty good at avoiding those pictures. And I was unable to do it yesterday um, because um, they were everywhere, you know. And uh, if you're trying to find out what was going on, there was the picture uh, or the video of it uh, and so you get a little desensitized and I've been spending you know really 30 years of, of trying to fight off being desensitized by the violence that I've seen uh, particularly the work I've been doing with gangs and things of that type um, uh, community violence but what we're seeing right now is on a whole other level uh, it's not just because of the type of violence but it is also the state of mind that that we're seeing. We're 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 um, having to to to, to address. And um, you know, I mean, how do you arrest this? How do you how do you stop this? How do you slow this? Um, and the ways to do this are they would just have to be dramatic. There's no subtle way to address what's going on here. Uh, in uh, and, but we don't have to be, to, let's just say, desperate here. Because I really do think there are some good things going on, too. It's just it's hard to hear them when you've got such incredibly violent, incredibly, even some bizarre stuff that's going on around us. You know, again, we, you know, every day we hear something that this, the former guy did. You know, he's been in our lives for the last, what, seven or eight years on a daily basis. You know, who saw that coming? Uh, you know, we've just, just overload on just about every level that's possible. So I think you really right now have to be very um, careful about your own mental health and try to protect the, the, the mental health of the people around you right. um, as much as you can. Yeah. You really do. Self-care you know. is definitely uh, important to us as a collective because um, yeah. we are still, I mean, he was certainly abusing us with his behavior when he yeah. was in office. But, you know, um, the abuse to our society and our psyche, you know, continues. And, you know, yes. in part, some of that is um, stoked by him or, or people like him because, um in their sociopathic <laughs> um, yeah. minds, uh, they derive some sense of, you know, pleasure <laughs> uh, from that. Well, you that. know, there's it, it, also there's also a pathology here, right? You know, like a disease or thinking that has, as as Ali said earlier, has turned into, you know, it's, it manifests itself in clusters, right? But it's also even a part of us where we're literally unable to move, remove ourselves from this. 
yeah, like we have had to accept that this is now part of our lives. Reality, Mm -hmm. yes, and that, but that cannot be. I mean, it it is, but at the same time, you know, we cannot deny it. It is sad, and it it I I want to think that we will look back on this time in history, much as some of us now look back, you know, at the pictures of people hanging people and people standing around enjoying it. And, um, and they will have the same kind of feeling like there was something very wrong and sick. Um, but, you know, it is. <laughs> You're right. I mean, and that's an excellent point, too. And I, and, and in fact, that, that's probably a good way to to say this, I think that, you know, as I kind of started to say, is that there is a lot right now going on that it is good. You know, I, I you know, it's so hard, as I said, to, to stay focused on the good because the bad is just being thrown at us every which way. You know, I mean, you can't do anything. I even have people that I go into places that I would ordinarily would hear no conversation about anything, and now... Everybody wants to talk, you know, uh, they want to talk about what they heard or what they saw or what they read or, you know, or anything like that, but or things like that. But let me say this, this that, you know, if you look at the, politi- the state of our political affairs as, as, um, in, as indecent as it is on one side of the, the ledger, um, at least on another side of the ledger, you can see all this participation, people engaged in a way that I haven't seen since I was a child. You know, people looking at information, grabbing hold of information, uh, making decisions, you know, um, getting involved in the process. Um, Do we need more? Yes. Um, But, you know, I'm encouraged by Allard. uh, I think his name is Allard. That's that's running against Ted Cruz in Texas. I think he'll be a pretty good um, candidate, you know, for this, you know, for, uh, for that. I think he understands, he understands that population very well. As speaking of uh, him running against Cruz, I think it's kind of funny, and we need to mention the fact that Cruz sent out yeah. a little campaign um, <laughs> newsletter um, talking about who he was running uh, against, and it wasn't Allred's picture. It was... Uh, Alvin Bragg's picture, and it was just so, you know, racist and ridiculous. <laughs> it was. It was. I mean, you looked at it. You know, I had to look at it like three or four times because everything now with AI and all this stuff, I don't even know what's real anymore. I mean, it really has become an issue. So I was like, is it? Is, did somebody else put this out, or did he do this? I mean, he couldn't have possibly done this. You know, this is what I'm saying to myself. And then I see that he really, really did. You know, and I'm just like, this is so 1960s, it ain't funny. You know, we all look alike. Exactly. And uh, the other thing is, is I feel like he was kind of getting a twofer. You know, like like, uh, he was getting to say that whoever this black dude is running against me, like, don't vote for him. And, you know, this black dude right here, like, he's bad. You know, he's got some stuff going on and he don't need to have the power he has, too. So I feel like he kind of got no. a twofer for that, that and I don't know that it was really a mistake you know they just are no, crazy well, <laughs> well see that that's the point because remember he did not he attacked Alan Bragg 
for, for a week or two about the indictment. So he knew who he was. Exactly. That's why I say I don't think it was a mistake. I think that they, you know, like they just are sick and do those kinds of things because, of course, they know, you know, we're going to push back on that. But it was also planting in the minds of his little uh, minions that, you know, this dude right here, he's bad too. And we need to get on him and we need to bring some smoke his way, you know, because they are really ganging up on this man, you know, and he is just trying to do his job. Yes. Yes. I, I'm just, again, I, I'm, I'm glad we are able to smile a little bit about it. I'm looking forward to this race. I think this race is going to be very good. I, I believe he's learned from, um, um, you know, previous, um, what's it, um, he got a ran for governor, a ran for, ran against um, him before, Dino, uh, uh, Beto, Beto, I think he learned from that, I think they've also learned, we've seen a lot of people seem to have learned from, and learning to build up, uh, 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 you know, their, their, their outreach, the way from, from Stacey as well. So I think there's been a, a lot, a groundswell of learning, teaching, you know, um, I think uh, we're going to see a very, very good run from him there uh, if he has the money. And I believe he will have the money because I, because it, I think Ted Cruz is vulnerable. I mean, the most, he's still the most disliked um, person in Congress, um, you know, by, by polls. Uh, and and by his and by fact, in fact, also by his colleagues, you know, he's not well liked at all. So I think he's very, very vulnerable. And it's just about um, running the right race here—a nice, strategic, and smart race. Um, so I'm excited about that one. Um, and and there's others too to be excited about. But I just, you know, at the end of the day, I want to thank you and everybody that shows up and. Tries to be difference makers. Uh, it's encouraging to me, um, especially when after I look at, see, and hear all the things I look at and see on a regular basis in my work. Um, to be able to come here and find, you know, like-minded people, people who are engaged, people who care, um, and you being able to create this forum, create this space for people to do that. You know, to regurgitate if they need to to inform if they need to, to comfort if, if you need it. And, you, you know, and I, again, you know, the I feel about you, I appreciate that you've always been such a great um, caretaker um, for us. So uh, thank you so much for uh, allowing me to have a, a few minutes with you guys. Well, again, we're always um, honored when you have um, you're able to take a little time out of your day and come and share with us. Uh, we always love hearing from you and uh, you're always providing us with additional um, insights and, and knowledge. And um, we appreciate that. And uh, Joseph has his hand up. I'm going to go back to him, but I, I didn't want the space to end without mentioning because I was hoping it's a couple of people I talked to about it, that they would come in and maybe later in the week uh, should have another space. Uh, we can talk about it. But, um, you know, these January 6th uh, wives and friends and maybe some of them who have served their time, they have been holding spaces 
And um, it is um, quite um, interesting. I have not been able to get through the entire one of the last one, but the last one they held, um, it was during um, the time when the verdict was handed out. Now, when I looked back at it again, it was, and that was a few days ago, it was up to 9,000 listeners or whatever, but these people were in here praying um, for, you know, these people basically, they're praying for justice, but for them, justice meant these people getting off. Um, they are just like, if you didn't know who they were in there for and who they were talking about, you would have think, uh, thought that these were soldiers who had signed up and gone to war and gotten captured in another country or something. But, you know, no, it is, you know, the, you know, the January 6th um, family members and, you know, like I said, some of them. And it's, I just find that just um, crazy because they're also um, in this, they were talking about um, meetings that they're having with uh, Kevin McCarthy and Jim Jordan. And we're talking about the danger that our democracy is in. And we're talking about people who, you know, some of them just recently got charged for, um, you know, sedition and conspiracy. And um, you have Marjorie Taylor Greene leading um, tours over to the jail, the former guy um, collaborating musical scores uh, with them, and um, they're being propped up. And this is, um, you know, like not the people or the things that we should be honoring and elevating in a healthy, thriving democracy. And I just feel like what the things that they're doing are, you know, very much like um, Victor Orban did in moving us toward a very illiberal democracy. Like we have the skeletal, um, you know, look <laughs> and, and um, structure of one, but we're not operating like there are only certain people who are actually operating the levers of power. And I'm so, so glad that Susan came up. So um, I want to hear from her. Joseph, if you could hold on because she hasn't spoken. And I know that Susan is one of the people who listen to this um, um, space. And I would love to hear from her and hear her take on it. And I have really enjoyed amplifying her messaging around uh, the media and their failings um, and their framings, their false framings around stories. So I'm so glad she came up and talked, um, you know, is able to uh, share with us today. So looking forward to it. So Susan, go ahead. Hi, everybody. Um, sorry, I didn't, uh, couldn't connect right when you started today. But um, what I did want to share is exactly what Dee was just bringing up. I have been listening not only to that one January 6th space that like 9,000 people listened to the day of um, when the Proud Boys verdict came in, um, but I have been listening to many of their spaces. And just like we're doing here, they are doing on their side. They have regular spaces that they are holding to grow a grassroots um, collective of like-minded people to support one another, exactly like we're doing here, except with fueled by completely different values than we have here. 
and I have recorded a bunch of them and um, it shakes me, but I feel like it's important for, for people to know what they're saying and that um, their movement in their mind didn't not, did not end at the Capitol and it did not end with these trials. They see, uh, they call themselves the J6ers and it's not it's um, like, like it's, it's patriotic. Very much. They, they feel like they, this is what they believe because I'm very much into hearing their themes of their ideology and what I hear come up, you know, frequently and so that I can start being able to synthesize them and communicate them to others, what the themes are that are fueling that. And, and none of you here would be surprised by it. They believe they're part of a holy war to save the country, which is what scares me so much because they, their the belief is not just a political transactional thing, but they believe they're fighting for the soul of the country as well as we do. But, um, but their belief is fueled on white supremacy values. Um, you commonly hear them talk about um, immigrants in a way that, like, oh, you can imagine that. I don't need to explain it to you. But, you know, black and brown people, immigrants, the, the white supremacy themes are very much in there. Um, as well as um, bigotry towards LGBTQ and, you know, all the cultural changes that they don't like, um, they believe are hurting the country and they believe that is what needs to be fought. And they 100% say over and over that Trump is the only political person that they feel um, can... Um, move them in the country that they want as well as pardon the J6ers and they feel the J6ers are very much victimized and are um, you know they call it the DC gulag they believe that they are political hostages um, that they were just fighting for the soul of the country and I recorded um, there's a lot of prayer in scripture so this Christian nationalism which is different than just um, Christianity it's a it's a it's a different thing than regular Christianity is I'm sure you know because it, it uh, it's it's a, a Christian belief that uh, aligned with white supremacy and political power um, so it's its own thing and they have a lot of prayer and scripture in their spaces as well and that um, ties into that holy war thing which I find so frightening and so then but how that ties back to then I watch crap like what CNN is doing with Jake Tapper and State of the Union, where they're, you know, a lot of false equivalents, and to me, not taking this seriously enough as far as understanding the real threats that is coming from within the Republican Party, because they are not taking this faction, the MAGA pro-Trump ideology, which is the most prevalent part of power right now in the Republican Party. They're not taking it seriously enough. And so when they put out crap poll results of a thousand people where a greater proportion say they don't have faith in Biden's mental acuity and they think Trump's is better, and then Jake Tapper 
on so-called mainstream says on his Sunday morning political show, two-thirds of Americans think this. That's a grand leap. But he says it with such confidence, and it, I feel like he does maybe know better. I feel like he's smarter, but it is so irresponsible. It is so irresponsible. It just angers me because I don't feel like he really understands the threat. And so that's why I've been recording some of these spaces um, when they see me in there, they they kick me out because they can tell I'm not one of them, but they haven't all blocked me yet. And I kind of don't want that to happen because I do want to keep listening. So I'm trying to figure out what my long-term strategy is. I'm recording some of the most egregious things that they say that I'm hoping if other people heard them from these people that have sweet sounding voices, they sound just like us. I mean, like I said, um, when that woman was praying, like I couldn't after that, I, I haven't been able to go back. I mean, really, if I did not know who she was, it would have been like walking into any, you know, organization or any, you know, Bible class or whatever and hearing any regular normal person pray for for someone right they didn't the space I listen- they don't sound crazy but it's just the things and the people they're supporting are certainly um very anti-democratic and you- right and the cognitive dissonance they will talk about immigrants in such a dehumanizing mm-hmm. way and and then and then and then close with a prayer that if you if you just came in at the end and heard the closing prayer you would just think it's just a normal group <laughs> right and and it's the minionist i think who have this like and they are you know like ordered by god to rule the world and you know things aren't going to be in place until their you know christian you know structure is you know fulfilled kind of thing um i'm not sure on that ideology but i do know that like there is factions within that because i know that you have your evangelicals and you have your um dominionist and and your fundamentalist and you know like they're kind of they support a lot of the same things but they also have some different ideologies too so thank you so much for <laughs> listening and go ahead continue I was just gonna so I I know that you guys are starting to wrap up by I came in at the tail end but um a couple things tips that I want to give um so what I've learned so that I don't get kicked out um is that if you see, as you know, you can play recordings of spaces when they're done. And so that's how I've been able to listen to these is I don't try to jump in and listen when they're occurring. I wait until they're done. And now that I've become more familiar with the J6er accounts, um, I, you know, I, I know which ones tend to host the spaces, just like somebody would learn that D host space and that sort of thing. And so I can go to their accounts and I see when they've held the space and then I will play the recording later. And I'm actually taking some recordings of their recording of some of their comments that I don't know what I'm going to do with them yet. But part of me has an idea of taking the some of the more wild statements that that reveal what's really motivating them about, the, you know, the fear of immigrants taking over the our country and some of the more awful things they say and the things about they say that Trump is their only savior and that sort of thing and almost putting them together in a montage and I feel like recording myself and saying Jake Tapper this thread is for you and you can share it with anybody else like you but I sometimes I just want to call out one particular say 
this is your homework assignment to listen to this. And then when you want to feel, go on the air and you want to talk about, um, you know, and putting out false equivalents in both sides and then you need to understand this is what you are minimizing when you minimize and normalize uh, the Republican Party's motivations and what's really fueling the power source of their party right now, this is what you're minimizing. Listen to what these people are saying and realize that when you talk about the Republican Party, you are talking about these people. And make sure that you hear their voices and hear what they're saying. And so then when you refer to Republicans and anybody else on your panels, uh, safe in your studios and in your neighborhoods and away from people who have to go to live in so lower socioeconomic jobs, have to work with these people, um, that, th that these are the people that you're talking about. And make sure that you have that in your mind as you talk about them and people who write for any political desk in any newsroom because, you know, the media is my kind of thing. And this false equivalency is so harmful because it's minimizing these really, really ugly things that these people want a civil war. And that's why the last yesterday and today I've been posting about if you knew the political press, if you knew the Republican Party was wanting to cause economic mayhem on purpose, it's not about good faith budget negotiations. We all know that. They want economic fallout. They have no care about who's going to get hurt by that because a lot of innocent people will get hurt by economic mayhem that they want to cause because they want to pin it on the Biden-Harris administration. And the political press is assisting in this branding tactic effort. They want to shore up their brand that we are tough on budget spending and everybody hates the government spending too much, which is an easy thing to get a visceral reaction to, right? So it's a smart branding tactic. So cause the economic mayhem and hope that because of the press's false equivalency and their lack of courage and their mealy-mouthedness and all of that, that they're going to say, well, Democrats say this and Republicans say this. We'll let you figure it out. Instead of saying this was a tactic to cause economic mayhem in hopes to hurt the Biden and Harris administration for their election. You know, and so anyways, that I, I so I'm so fired up and if you see me eventually if i get the courage to post these clips one of the things i'm concerned about is that the spaces that i'm listening to and auditing will be on to me and they'll all block me and then i won't have access to hear them anymore so one of the things i'm thinking about doing is what is my strategy do i like create a alternate I account was say just that, for that would, might be you know uh, that would be my suggestion and then let others you know help amplify it but I think that is a a great idea and not just you know at Jake but you know uh, several others uh, when when they do it because I'm noticing that they have not learned anything. They're doing the same thing they did in 2016. They're going to these suburban uh, people and, uh, you know, interviewing these nice Trump supporters, you know, and, um, you know, and I don't doubt that eventually they'll get to some of those nice J6ers as, as well. Um, and it is absolutely a false equivalent. And it is causing um, quite a bit of, um, you know, um, distress uh, to know that, like, they have learned nothing, 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 because um, that's why those words that Justice Black, um, you know, had 
as um, part of his um, their opinion um, during the um, just before the Watergate thing when they released when the Washington Post released um, the um, I, I think it was the Panama Papers, but he particularly pointed out the fact that the free press is part of our democracy. Like it, you know, and in order for, it needs to be not just, it needs to be fair and balanced. And it's not about, you know, what about and both sides. It's, and, you know, right now we're talking about democracy versus autocracy, you know, and these journalists are not that stupid. They know, um, but, you know, so however you, decide to do it, um, Susan, I would say um, definitely do it, uh, keep listening. And um, I would suggest uh, just creating you a, a special little account for that. And um, then um, DM it to some of us in the community and let us continue to amplify and highlight it. And, you know, um, that's you know, I think uh, the way that I would go about it. And I, I see some agreement in the community of people who have done such things. So um, do it. <laughs> I ha Okay, I, I, I will, I'll think about doing that. Um, and I'll let you know what happens with that. Um, one last tangible tip that I've learned, uh, maybe you guys all know this, but when people post GIF links, which are the no paywall links to Washington Post and New York Times, um, if you see an article that somebody has posted with a GIF link, and even if you do not have the subscription for it, what I have learned, if it's an article you like and you want to amplify, click on the GIF link so that the article opens up. And then um, if you're on a mobile phone, I know for sure it works on my iPhone. If you go up to the search bar that opened that share link and you uh, press on it with your finger, and you, then it pops up. You can choose copy. If you copy that URL, and then you open a brand new post and paste that URL, it stays as a no paywall gift link. Ooh, that's a great tip. So, I know, I know. And so um, I have been using this a lot because although I subscribe to a lot of publications because um, it's part of my work and I just – want to um and but i use up a lot of my 10 free you know gift links that i can have per month so i this has been a way for me to amplify other articles so i go look for when people are sharing gift links of articles that i want to amplify open it up and then copy the url from the browser when you know your top browser thing and then you can see, too, usually when you repaste it, that you actually are pasting a GIF link because they're really, really extra long URLs. And some of them will say gift or share somewhere in that long URL. But um, anyways, give it a try because we want to keep, you know, when they do good work, and I'm going to land on this. I say this every time I get a chance to speak, but it's so worth it. Go to political go to to every political newsroom that has an outlet go to their account scroll down anything that is saying something you like reshare it engage with it just it takes just a few minutes retweet it like it just do it as a daily practice i swear engagement you know we have to give positive 
positive feedback and positive engagement to when they are saying the right thing. And it's just, it just should be a daily practice. And it feels like you're not doing much, but you really are. Those, it just a few retweets can help something take off. Thanks. Well, thank you so much. I do appreciate it. And um, with that, I'm going to go to Joseph and you've given us some great tips. And like I said, um, keep um, doing that oppo research over there because uh, it is important. And, um, you know, it is important for us to know um, what the other side is doing it and how they're doing it. And like I listen to some of them. And I know that um, like they're meeting with these um, high profile lawmakers and um, encouraging them to do certain things. So I think it's important that the public knows when, you know, groups like the J6ers are pushing for the um, House to impeach the president and they start moving forward with that stuff. That's, you know, like aiding and abetting, you know, a group of people who, you know, some of have already been, you know, found guilty. And, um, you know, we, we need to amplify that um, as well, because I still hope and believe that someday, someday, there will be some accountability for those who are still sitting in the halls of Congress who were absolutely um, very, um, you know, engaged part in, in that insurrection and instigating it. And I also, when I look at them and think about them, I think about what they're doing and how it is being funded. Who is funding them? Because many of these grassroots so <laughs> roots groups, so to speak, are are not really that grassrooty. They're they're more astroturf um, groups, front groups that are being funded. So uh, when I'm listening to these kind of people and watching, I'm looking for those kinds of connections too. So if you see some of those, Susan, um, please um, you know point that out and you know send it my way so that I can be a little more informed on that too, because I'm telling you those tent that those dark money tentacles go so deep. They're everywhere. I mean, it's like almost every, I, I keep, a, I have a growing list, like the last list that I posted, um, you know, has grown. It was, it grew right after I posted it. So because every time I read a little bit more about it, you know, I just make a note of it, I'm trying to figure out best how to, you know, show it, um, you know, from a graphic standpoint for people to understand. But it really is, like I said, the best way to describe it is like a, a labyrinth, a cabal, um, a, a web, you know, of, of this, because it's like a, a web where there are you know, everything connects to, you know, other things and some things have no connection at all. But in the end, the uh, it's one of those things where the whole is greater than, you know, the sum of its parts, you know. So um, anyway, um, thanks again. I appreciate it. I appreciate everyone who has come in and share uh, today and who has just joined and listened. And we're going to go back to Joseph and then I'm going to start to wrap this up. Thanks, Ms. D. Uh, I just want to uh, touch on a couple of other points that have 
uh, come up since I last spoke. Um, you know, when you, you were talking about uh, really like the the, uh, the the culture of violence in this country, and I you, you're right. I mean, when it got me thinking, like it really does go back uh, to the beginning, and I I don't know why us as a as a whole as a country we are such a violent uh nation um it i i will say a lot of it does have to do with like with white supremacy and so forth um but it got me thinking about i remember in my u.s history textbook my junior year of high school and there was a section um pre-civil war sometime i think it was like 1820s 1830s something like that and there was an illustration from a british magazine of a, uh, the artist had stayed in an american hotel and the picture was of someone drawing a gun on somebody else just for over a dispute over something at a dinner table so I mean, this this culture of violence has been ingrained in us in for centuries, and it's 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 just mind boggling. And sometimes uh, my Canadian friends will will ask me, they said, "Why why is the U.S. so violent?" And we're like, "I, I don't know. I wish I had an answer for that." And then something to build on what Susan said about the the dominionism. You know, I to me, what came to mind was the whole uh, manifest destiny. I believe that was when John Tyler was president, that that somehow they, there was this mentality that somehow God had, you know, it was a God given right for Americans to basically expand westward. And, you know, I'm going to say it. That's what led to the basically theft of land from Mexico from which much, much of the southwestern U.S. is now on. So, you know, when 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 people combine, I should say, when they use uh, religious beliefs to come combine with a rather distorted worldview, it can be very dangerous. Uh, sometimes I look at the comments on Carrie Lake's Facebook page, and I tell you, it's just bonkers absolutely bonkers what these people think i mean there are people not just in arizona but in other parts of the country who legitimately believe that she will still be governor of of arizona and she is doing so much harm to arizona with her her grift and her you know perpetuating this big lie i'm actually uh going back to Arizona for work next week and um, it's it's just uh, you know it it boils my blood what that woman is doing to Arizona because Arizona is a very important place to me and uh, so it's just it's 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 dangerous it is very very dangerous all this coming together so uh, those were just a couple of extra thoughts I had uh, I'm gonna land my plane there I'm actually gonna I know you're gonna wrap up Misty and I'm actually gonna jump off a little bit because uh, I got a little uh, meeting I need to sit in on but thank you so much Ms. D. I always appreciate your time and appreciate all of your your efforts and uh, definitely I'm gonna be stirring up some good trouble on the timeline this week 
Well, thank you, uh, Joseph. And we do appreciate you coming and sharing with us, always giving um, insightful um, information and, um, uh, you know, here in spaces as well as on your timeline. And so um, I am always honored um, and grateful that you take time out of your day because I know you're working um, quite often to to come in and do that. So I just want you to know that I truly do appreciate it. And the same goes for all of you who have come in and shared so graciously of your time uh, today. And that goes for the ones that, you know, came up and, and spoke and made wonderful contributions or those of you who were just listening in the gallery, because um, your listening is also a very valuable contribution. And I know that, um, you know, you go out beyond these, you know, Twitter spaces and, and your timeline and that you're engaging and you're doing the work that is required to defend our democracy. And I um, applaud you for that. I thank you for that and just um, encourage you all to keep doing it. Like some days, sometimes it gets hard. Um, I know many of our hearts um, just, you know, get broken over and over again because um, the devastating um, trauma that comes into our community, sometimes far and sometimes you know, really close. But nonetheless, I feel like we're all being, you know, shaped and, and touched by it in not a good way. And we want it to stop. And par we are part of that solution. And we need to find other representatives who can become part of that solution as well. And I just want to say, and Allie did a very good job of, you know, uh, encouraging us not to despair, to stay hopeful, basically, and let us know that, um, you know, these, there are stages of, of many things. And like, this is an inflection point, um, just as there are stages of, of grief, our country, our democracy is undergoing some changes. And this is but a stage. And um, while we're here, we're going to be part of that change because I believe that all of us in here are change makers and it's going to take all of us to um, bring about the changes that, you know, we talk about, we seek, we know that we um, deserve. So again, thank you all. I'm going to leave you with the words from the late great representative John Lewis. Do not get lost in a sea of despair. Be hopeful be optimistic. Our struggle is not the struggle of a day, a week, a month, or a year. It is the struggle of a lifetime. Never ever be afraid to make some noise and get in good trouble, necessary trouble. So I just want to thank you all for coming and getting in good trouble here with me every Monday, and I'll see you back here next Monday. And um, I think that we will. I will probably have some additional spaces this week, but I'll I'll keep you posted on that. We may have game night again this week, and um, if we do, I hope to see you all there. And I am wishing you all a fantastic week ahead, and um, to uh, leave you with peace and blessings. <laughs>